it is time for the Power Hour. Phone lines are open. They're ringing already. So jump in and join us. We've got Bruce and Leroy and Pete, team from Pittsburgh Power in the house. It's exciting. We've got Pete here. Phones are open. Start dialing 855-950-3835. So, Pete, I'm coming to you first. Good morning. Thanks, Kevin. I feel pretty good. What, uh, what's new and exciting good. and what's on your mind this week? Okay. So I had seen an uh, interesting article on oil filters. Now, they were mostly car filters, automotive. Um, the only one that was class uh, 8 would be Baldwin, but all the other ones were car filters. And, and they rated them from best to worst. Uh, but what I found interesting was very almost all of them were made by the same company. Uh, Champion Labs makes a bunch of filters, and then there's a German company, Man Hummel, that makes the other ones. Um, the only one making their own, other than those guys, are um, Bosch makes their own filters, and then I believe K&N makes their own filters. Pretty much all the other filters out there are made by two companies. So it's interesting that you brought that up today because I read an article about coolant antifreeze. And I did a big research project on this years ago, and it was kind of the same way. There are only a couple factories in the company in the country that were making coolant, and they just labeled it for everybody. You know what, though? I, we're dealing with this right now in the supplement world. So I've got ideas on supplements I want to create, but I'm not going to go out and build a factory and try to create this. It would cost a fortune. So we do what's called co-packing. We, that we go to our supplement manufacturer and we contract with them to have them manufacture a custom supplement. So it's, it's ours and it's our formulation and it'd be no different than if we built the factory to make it. So it's kind of interesting. This happens a lot more than what we think, that there's this custom kind of blending manufacturing that goes on and a lot of different labels come out of the same factory many times. It'd be terribly expensive for each of these co- these companies to have their own company building filters. It, it wouldn't make sense. It, it just wouldn't. The equipment to make this stuff is too expensive. The market's too competitive. We'd all end up paying more. So, uh, you know, when we hear this, it kind of feels like we're being ripped off, right? Like we're being tricked or fooled. But they're not the same. They're not, even though they're coming out of the same factory, they're not the same filters. Every manufacturer builds to their specs. So I, it, it sounds like it's kind of shady, but it's really not. It's a more efficient system. And with oil filters, there's a lot to it. So they did rate them. Some of them um, gave the efficiency. So AMS oil was 99% efficient at 20 microns and rated for at least 15,000 miles, which a lot of new cars are going 10 anyhow. Right. Um, it's not good to have a filter that's rated for 6,000 miles when the OEM's telling you you can go 10. So they are made to their specs, you know, different types of material. But what was ironic, the worst filter was Fram, and Fram owns Champion Labs, which makes <laughs> a bunch of filters. <laughs> How does so, that work out? So, well, that's kind of it. There's this factory sitting there, and you can build really high-quality filters if you want in this factory, or you can build garbage filters, cheaper materials, shortcuts on the process, whatever it might be. So knowing who owns it doesn't even really help because you would think the company that owned it might make a better filter, but why? I mean, you know, everybody has their own model. Some people 
sell at the bottom of a market. Some people sell at the top. Some people want to be right in the middle. I guess the interesting thing is here is just learning this and knowing it. Yeah, generally I stick with, you know, if we were working on a cat, we put a cat filter back on it. If it's a Cummins' it's a fleet guard. You know, Cummins owns fleet guard. I don't know who's making their filters. Right. They have their own plan. I would think they would, because they are, but who knows. Right. But it, one of the things I learned at one of the Cummins classes was, you know, of course they're going to promote using fleet guard filters. But he said something to keep in mind, and this is back in 14 days when I was at class, if we lose an injector over bad fuel filter, and you have an aftermarket filter on you're on your own. If it's a fleet guard filter, we have to pay for it either way, whether it was a filter's fault or not, because you have our filter on there. So they, they really promoted using their filter on their engines. And, and it makes sense. So, so let's, let's think about this in the real world, though. If we had a filter, I guess, what, how would a filter fail? Allow something through that was too big or... I mean, have we ever had a problem where we could look at it? And I'm asking you in the shop, has there ever been a time where you could look at it and go, yeah, the filter caused that? Do we ever know that for sure? Okay. Okay. I actually had, so I, back in the early 80s, I had a Volkswagen Rabbit diesel and I worked at a gas station and changed oil, went up the road, oil light comes on, I pull over, there's no oil. The AC oil filter I was using split. I've only seen that one time in my life. Yikes. Huh. Yeah. Well, I can tell you there was a a non-OEM filter on a V12 Cummins, a 1710 in a drag line up on Interstate 80 in a strip mine. I'm not going to say the, I know which filter it was, but I'm not going to say that. And it failed, and the paper went through and wiped out the rod and main bearings, and that's what happens. And I've heard of that happening other times. So you have to be careful. Never, ever buy a cheap filter. Never go to Kmart and say, I want the cheapest filter you have for, <laughs> you know, for your vehicle, which is 3 or $4. Never do that. Yeah, that's a bad idea. Yeah. So I, I stay with the OEM filters because then you have their warranty, regardless of who makes it for them. Right. Right. You know, I I was this article I read on coolant this morning. I was surprised they're still in this article. The article wasn't very well written. They didn't clarify a lot of things. They were still talking about adding SCAs and charged filters. Do we have new trucks that are still using charged filters? I think we had this discussion once before. Right. So on like the ISXs, um, the, so on the older big cams in 14s, you can buy a DCA if you're running the green antifreeze. Right. Um, if you're running the red antifreeze, you don't need to, and they do make blank filters. So it's a filter, which will pick up, it, you know, any debris that might be in there, but it doesn't add any additive. Yeah. So the, the charged filters are only for the old style green coolant, correct? None of the... Long life. So that's why they wrote this article and reading it, you would think we were still dealing with this. They didn't really clarify that those are pretty old trucks we're talking about now. I don't know anybody that's used the old style coolant in a long, long time. I mean, in newer trucks, it's never recommended in any of the newer trucks. And we're not having problems with the red antifreeze. Right. You know, the extended life. Right. Yeah. I don't know. Seems kind of crazy. All right. Well, that was interesting. Anything else, Pete? Nope, that is it for me today. All right. Leroy, since you're on that line, you're up next. 
All right. So I wanted to answer another question that uh, was posted on Trucking Tribe from a member named Talon, and he wants to talk about deleted trucks, whether there are any positives to it, what are the negatives, what is the process and worst case cost of returning it to stock, and he's talking specifically about a 2013 Mac. Okay. And, I mean, we've talked about deleted trucks a lot here. Right. So I would say any positives? If I guess I suppose if it's done absolutely correct, as if the factory was to do it, then you would have a perfect running truck that would have no issues and no emissions issues at least, and would go forever, right? But that's not the case because the OEMs don't design these engines without EGR. That's that's kind of the biggest problem is when people delete trucks is getting rid of the EGR, like getting rid of the the DOC and the DPF SCR. All that stuff doesn't really affect the way the engine runs because um, it's downstream it's, you, yeah it's downstream uh, and the, the egr is a big proponent of the combustion mix i mean that's a, a big dictator of like the ignition delay uh, of how volatile the fuel is what you can run for boost numbers the turbocharger sizing i mean they're really designing the engines a lot around egr and that's why i was getting excited around like the S13 engine where they weren't doing that. And I'm like, well, now we can sort of get away from all these technologies and the way that we built engines previously to something new because we're going to take care of all the emissions and the after treatment and the engines can just be the best that they can be. Right. I think that's a, a health direction. So really any positive is if you find somebody to do it well, um, then I guess it's okay. But the, the negative is way or, or way worse. So, First thing is you hardly ever find anyone that does it right. And then the next big one we always talk about, nobody will work on it. I mean, I don't think, right, Pete, we won't even take one yeah, in here. we won't touch a truck unless someone would want us to put it back. Yeah, right. Stock. Right. And when we talk about, like, putting them back to stock, like, worst case costs, I don't know those numbers off the top of my head, but it really just depends on who did it and how, I guess, quote, thorough they wanted to be because you can ruin a lot of things expensive things expensive things by you know so we did an isx i would say it was a 15 or 16 uh somewhere in that neighborhood it was a, a later one it wasn't one of the early ones and everything was taken off completely and it was uh, over 20 grand to put everything back on because you're paying oh, yeah. all sensors wiring harnesses and cores for stuff because you know they had everything removed so you know if you would buy a truck i have people who Gonna call up and like, hey, I'm looking at a truck and it's this and this and it's deleted. I'm like, stay away from it, yeah, because it could run upwards of twenty grand to put it back to stock. I mean, we're and then you don't even know until you get everything on. Is there any other issues going to, you know, show up? Right. I mean, things like you know, EGR coolers that haven't ran in a while or def tanks is probably the worst case scenario where you know people like drain the def but not completely. And when you just let def sit in there, it ruins all the sensors in the tank. It ruins the motor, the, the def pump. Like, it, there's just so much destruction by just letting things sit. I've seen EGR coolers not work right. EGR valves, after being turned off for several hundred thousand miles, don't work. I mean, you're really almost rebuilding everything except for like the the base engine. You know, right? Um, so it's it's really just not worth it. And if uh, like Pete said, if I saw a deleted truck, I don't think I would even touch it. I because would. Because I would want to go back to... 
And it's one thing if you have to put like a DPF filter back on or this or that. You know, like, oh, they didn't block off the EGR. They didn't do this. They didn't do that. But you don't know what they did until you're in there and you push put it back to stock. They don't know what they did. Exactly. Yeah, good point. I've seen people hack wiring harnesses. And the worst part about hacking up the wiring harness is you, you think, oh, this is just the wiring harness that goes with the after treatment. But you don't know that the 5-volt wire that is for all those sensors is shared with everything else on the engine. And then that whole wire is like corroded or shorted, and then you can't get them um, because they have, you know, wires that go to the the cab. You can never get the ones that go to the cab, the OEM side harnesses. Those are tremendously expensive, and, you know, you you just can't get them. And the the next probably biggest thing is I I just think going in future, you know, it's it's just going to be more complex. And I saw a garbage truck a year or two ago that some guy wanted to tune on. And any time that you would make any sort of change to the ECM, the dash would just shut off. <laughs> just, it would just it just says CVN uh, incorrect, which CVN is um, basically like to check some of the file. And what that means is if you put all of the ones and zeros next to each other in a whole file, that sort of adds up to one number. And the dash knows what that number is supposed to be. And if it's anything other than what that number is, it says I've been modified, just shuts off. Um, so yeah, I mean, for this, for talent out there, yeah, I would probably stay away from that Mac, especially Macs because I don't know if I've ever heard anyone having a good experience with a deleted Mac. They're always just really bad. Uh, I think most of the time there's one file that I know of that people are just getting passed around for Mac. They're like, oh, it doesn't matter if it's a Mac or a Volvo. You just stick this one file in. Oh everything. boy. So <laughs> that's bad. It really wasn't a lot. <laughs> I'm pretty sure all Mac and Volvos, like the OBD ones, 2013 and newer, were all the exact same file. And all the guys would do is just go in there and change the bin. Uh, that was literally the same thing. Uh, yeah. So I, I would stay away. Yeah. So let's just cut to the chase here. You would stay away from this one because it's a Mac. But I think if we pulled the four of us, nobody here would ever recommend deleting anything anymore. There's just no reason to do it. The downsides are way worse than any potential upside. Oh, it wouldn't even matter if it was a Mac. If it was an ISX, I'd stay away from it. If it was a DD, right. I'd stay away from it. Right. Maybe the only one I would maybe consider was like the a DDEC4 EGR where somebody went back to like regular DDEC4. Where the after treatment was bordered on or the emission system on a engine it wasn't meant for. Yeah, the, like the, the earlier the engine. That's right. Yeah. You could go back to a normal version with no problem, but... Other than that, anything newer than that, I'd stay away from. Yeah, and here's here's the other pro- here's the other problem. It's real easy to see a truck, even if everything's on it, if it's been deleted, especially if it's a 389 Pete, because everyone knows in 2008 they came out with that curved headlight, and it was also the year first year for the DPF, and you're following one in every shift. You see the puff of smoke, you look at the stacks, and they're black, and they're blacked on the back sides. And, my God, at least tune it so you're not getting that smoke because it's a dead giveaway. The Biden group has funded, gave the EPA all the money they want now. Uh, a state trooper could probably pull you over and confiscate that truck or at the scale house and pickup trucks. Same way. Or, or, or let's go back to the semi-truck. You put your Jake brake on and you hear a loud Jake brake, just like we did in the 70s and the 80s and the 90s. Well, you don't hear that through a DPF. So when you bore the holes through the DPF, now you hear the Jake brake. That's the other giveaway. 
it's hard to hide it if the people know what they're looking for. And they do seem to be cracking down a lot more. In the last two years, I've they read are. far they more are. articles about shops being cracked down on, trucks being, uh, you've got dealers like, like you guys. Yeah. You don't even want it on the lot. Nobody wants to deal with that. Trump, Trump took a lot of the funding away from the EPA and the Biden gave it right back. So the other thing is, this is our fifth year running the Max Mileage Catalyst. And I've talked about that if we eliminate soot, and we eliminate the fine dirt. We've eliminated the two items that were at the engine. You know, the fine dirt is the silicon. And if we keep that between three and eight on your oil analysis, and we keep the soot out by running the max mileage, there's nothing in there to wear out the crosshatch. And I'm seeing a huge decrease in rebuilds right now. Yeah, we, we've talked it's, about that. It, it used to be, it, it used to be that. You would get four or five calls a day. Now you don't hardly hear them because our customers are using the catalyst. And uh, I was—I went to a Pirate Cubs game last night. And sitting beside me was a young couple from Chicago. They were supposed to be here this morning. They missed a golden opportunity. She was—I was going to put her on the radio and talk about her company. But um, her dad's running a deleted truck. They never heard of us. They never heard of Max Mileage and. Uh, yet they're running six trucks. And we need people to help people out there. I talked to a young man the other day on the phone and he's in his first truck and he, he, he needs help. And when you meet people like that, take the time to talk to them. Whether you're having lunch or dinner or you meet them somewhere, but help your fellow man because, and tell them how to get on Trucking Tribe and listen to these messages that Kevin puts out. It would help. There's an awful oh. lot of misinformation yeah, but, out there. Yeah. The pickup truck. Now we got these young kids, you know, buying these new pickup trucks. And first thing they do is they want to delete them and they want to roar smoke. Well, you'd have to be an idiot of a state trooper to not know that that thing's deleted. And it, I'm not saying they're going to confiscate it, but you made the truck illegal and what happens if they start taking your vehicles? Yeah, you can't afford to put them back together. The cost of deleting it and then putting it back together is just way too high. Um, like I said, there's there's just no reason to do this anymore and no reason to buy one that it's been done to. I would not go near one of these trucks. And, and I gotta tell you, Kevin, uh, prior to this, we were always concerned with the back pressure in the exhaust system. And I never would have believed they can make the vehicles run with DPFs like they like they do run. I mean, look at the new Ford pickups, 1,050 foot-pound of torque. Cummins is coming up to 1,000 foot-pounds. And years ago, basically almost the same engine, and we were getting four and 500 foot-pound of torque. They've right. over doubled the torque, and, and it has full emissions, and they're, they're running trouble-free, especially if you run the catalyst. So it's, it's like, why do it? Right. You know, it, I, I told you about when I was going to the snowmobile conference, I hit the bottom that one hill up in Wyoming, pulling that 27-foot trailer with the 2016 Ram. I just wanted to see, it was a steep, long hill, and I topped it at 12 pound of boost. I hit the bottom at eight or 90 and went over the top at 80. Now, I don't normally do that. I just was having fun. 
and there was no traffic. And to, for a full a stock pickup truck to pull a load and to be able to do that with so little boost, that was incredible to me. And the semi trucks, you, you get on the interstate today, and there's a, you see a semi truck up in front of you. Years ago, you'd say, "Well, I'm going to have to pass that one. I'm going to have to pass that one." Today, you don't have to pass them. No. No, and, and we've talked about this. We knew this would happen. The same thing happened with cars, and it happened, you know, 40 years ago. We went through the a decade of horrible cars because the emissions and the engines were just junk. And then we came out of that, and now I'm not even sure why the hood opens on my cars anymore. I mean, you don't have to do anything to cars these days. Hey, Kevin, that one. When they, uh, the smog engines came out in 1971, it took almost 20 years before. Was they it 20? Yeah, I guess you're right. You're right. All yeah, the 70s it was up and to 80s. The early were 90s. All, yeah, you're right. They were they were all yeah. kind of garbage. But and then you look at what happened after, right. and it's incredible how reliable and durable and and cars are now. Carts we used to change constantly. Right. I I can't imagine like. You can own a car forever now and not change the spark plugs. Remember how often we used to change those? Yeah. Once a year. Now you can't even, now you can't even see them. No. But um, engineers are getting smarter, and you know, the computers are making them smarter. Not the computers on the car, but they, their computers and what they have to work with. Right, right. Materials have gotten Whenever a lot better. In the, in the mid-'70s when I was with Loftus Engineering and, we built plate mill and strip mill slab furnaces and soaking pits for steel mills. We had this huge engineering center. You know, they're on the tables that are on the 45-degree angle, and they're drawing with pencils. And when you wanted to make a change in a furnace, it was days. <laughs> right. And then came the CAD cam, right? And then it came down to minutes. Yeah. And now it's, I don't even know what the new systems are called. Leroy, what would they be called? Uh, you have like uh, Autodesk Inventor, um, SolidWorks is popular. Probably the most two big popular ones. Now, when you want to make a change, it's second. It's seconds. So, yeah, wait. And that's 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 come down to the cars and the trucks and the semi trucks. Wait, wait till they unleash AI on some of that software. It's really no. going to get crazy. Oh, I had a guy call me. Not call me. Wait playing phone tag but he sent me an email he said i need to be a dealer for that wonder juice wonder juice <laughs> wonder juice there i typed back what's wonder juice he yeah. said your max mileage i yeah. thought that's the new name it's been called many things but never wonder juice so yeah, that's a right in eastern shore maryland i'm gonna yeah wonder juice all right, so we're going to get to some phone calls, but before we do, I just want to bring up a current event. Have you seen what's going on with that submersible at the Titanic? I just heard about it today. They've got 96 hours left. What is there, five or nine people Wait, on board? Wait, I heard yesterday they only had 60 hours left. That was yesterday. Maybe something's changed. Oh. Yeah. It's... On Fox News this morning, it was... Uh... It was 96 hours. I, I'm sure there's a lot. I, I I haven't read really in depth into it. Like I, they don't seem to be in any kind of communication. So I'm not even sure how they know exactly what's going on. But can you imagine what it must be like if, if they're the assumption right now is they're still alive. But oh, what must that be like in there? And one of the guys is a billionaire. His money's not helping him much now. 
No. Terrifying being in there. Oh, I can't even imagine. Can't even imagine. All right, let's get to some phone calls. Let's get started in Texas. Fred, welcome. Hey, gentlemen. Good morning. How are you? Good. What's on your mind today? Well, I just wanted to put out a, a situation that I just found out about yesterday. did a load for a broker, and it paid you know, well. I think I was talking about last Friday to you and Joel. And uh, I got a phone call yesterday from another broker who said that he gave it to a trucking company, which gave it to a brokerage, which gave it to me. And they were trying and they were trying to get quick pay and stiff me, apparently. Which is so, the classic du- true double brokering concept. This isn't a matter of co-brokering yeah. because we had a carrier in there who right. did not have the authority to broker this load. Right. So it, it's just um, you got to do your due diligence with any new brokers. Um, truck stop. I've talked to truckstop.com where I found the load. And they said a new a new authority will give you a positive rating until it gets a negative rating. So even that might not save you from this situation. The uh, the broker who originally owns the freight just didn't feel right about this because the guy was hammering him about quick pay, quick pay, quick pay, quick pay, and he started looking into it. And then he found the you know he got the POD and said who's this guy Tri-State and it was me and he couldn't find me for three days because he was spelling my name wrong because I mean I guess there's two or three ways to spell Tri-State but uh, he finally found me and he said I'm gonna make sure you get paid I didn't pay that guy and of course the rate's not what I agreed to with the other guy but that's okay I'm getting my money. This is so. this is all of a sudden become rampant. We we've always had this going on, yeah. but it seems to be coming very very common. Um, the load boards are all trying to figure out some sort of technology or system to either slow this down or stop it. But it seems like it's just exploded all of a sudden. Well, I think technology makes this so much easier for them because they don't they don't need anything except a phone and a computer. So uh, they can pretty much open up and shut down. I mean, for $300, if they did a $3,000 load five a day for, for a month and a half, they walk away with hundreds of thousands of dollars, that, even with quick pay, and, and, every, and every carrier is stuck holding a bag. That seems to be what's going on. So it now becomes even more important to work and build relationships and try to stick to your core of brokers as much as you can. Yeah, or just use the safer website or the FMC CSA website and check to see how long the authority has been open. Take the three or four minutes out of your day and check that all you carriers with your own authority that you know may not have uh, you know may have to go on a load board for a fill-in load or what have you. And uh, right now, I think one of the reasons it's exploding is because there's a lot more of that going on. A lot more carriers using new brokers that that, it's harder and harder to find freight. So you're looking in more places. So uh, the scam artists know that and it's easier to take advantage. Yep. Yep. So that's, you know, that's my quick, easy PSA for people. Um, I just got lucky because... I had a guy who was diligent with his freight because he had the customer for 12 years. And now, you know, him and I hopefully going to get a relationship started together. So, yeah. Interesting. All right. Yep. 
All right. Have a good day, everyone. Thanks for the call. Let's go to New Jersey this time. Luke, welcome to the program. Good morning, gentlemen. Uh, two questions. I just recently installed the OPS on my truck, and I was wondering the mileage. When do you sample and change the OPS filter, and when do you recommend doing the changing your fuel, full flow filter? What engine? Cummins ISX. What year? Uh, 2013. Are you running the max mileage? Uh, sometimes, sometimes not. This one is deleted. Well, I would pull a sample. To start with, I would pull a sample at 25,000 miles, and let's see what it looks like. And everything will look good, and then let's go another twenty or 25,000. Pete, so, Leroy, right, you guys you have any? Well, we changed the filter to 25,000 miles. Okay. Regardless of what your sample is. I mean, unless the sample is bad where you'd have to dump the oil and you're doing an oil and, and filter change because of an issue. You, you take the sample, uh, wait for it to come back, make sure there's no issues, and then change the filters. 25,000 Okay. Okay. That makes sense. Another question for Bruce on the max mileage catalyst. I heard you talking last week about that gentleman out west that had that hay steamer and how much it improved that. And I got to thinking, what about putting it in somebody's home heating system like that uses heating fuel? Yeah, people are doing that because the home heating system has a, a, I don't want to call it a combustion chamber. What do you call the chamber that's in the SPARs and Wabascos where the fuel burns? It's a chamber in there. Well, if you run the catalyst, there's no soot built up in there, and it's the same way in home heating oil. You do want to run the max mileage catalyst in that because it'll keep the burn chamber clean. Okay, I wasn't sure if there'd be any drawbacks to using it in there or not. No. I know we don't have to yeah, talk well, about those torpedo heaters that burn diesel fuel. They It really cleans those up, too, but... Uh, Anything that burns gasoline or diesel fuel. Okay. Well, that answers my questions. Have a good day. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Texas this time. Rusty, welcome to the program. Hey, I got a question about the DB13 and what, how to spec that to pull 84,000 pounds with a heavy, heavy dragging uh, rib sided trailer. As far as rear ends, uh, I'm not sure where that RPM needs to be on the DB13. I, I run, I run one right now. I think it's got 308, and uh, you know it's up there around 13, 1400 RPMs all the time for well, highway speed. Well, what's that highway speed? Uh, yeah, uh, I think it's 70. That that our that setup is at about 1500 RPMs, 60s around 13. Is that? Or so. Would that be a single overdrive? It seems like it's awful yeah, high for 308s. Or DT12. I think it's a 0. 0.77 in the DT12. So, so you already own this truck and it's already uh, me... spec'd this way, correct? Oh, I don't own it. I'm leasing it. My truck uh, that I got all rebuilt with N14 got totaled, so I got to buy another truck. So honestly, Wait, let me I, tell you, 308, 308 gears at 70 mile an hour, 
with a .73 final drive, low pro 22.5. At 70, you're at 13.60. Yeah, why is he at 15? I think it's a .77. .77. Oh, okay. It shouldn't make much of a difference, though. No, it's it, and why are we 200 RPM off on this? Something's wrong. Well, I could be off on the, I, I don't know, 100. I know most of those trucks that they have in this fleet are the so, 308. Let, Let's start with this. If I get 325. I'm a pretty big fan of the DD-13, and most people aren't. It's not that common of an engine. Even the fleets didn't seem to spec it a whole lot. Um, we don't have a lot of good information on that one. There's just not enough on, on the street. We're not getting enough good feedback. But as much as I like that engine, in your operation, 84,000 pounds, a rib-sided trailer, and you're running 70, I would, I'd get the DD-15. I wouldn't mess with the 13. Not in that operation. Okay. That's pretty helpful. Uh, you know, they're really light. You can really get a good load on. So you're. Well, then I. And I don't run seventy. I'm just. I, I don't. I don't run seventy. I was just throwing that out there. Because, oh, okay. But I like to run about sixty-five max. So. <sighs> you know what? What is it? What? What? Uh, social media is Henry on? How do you get a hold of him? Uh, probably Facebook would be the easiest place to find Henry, or call when he's here on the air. I mean, that'd be even better. Um, I would honestly, because that's an unusual use, and now I understand if you want that lightweight because of payload, that might make sense. I would have to sit down and look at the torque and horsepower curves and some different gear ratios. I'm not sure how I would spec this. No, hey, Kevin, what's, what's funny is you know, the 12.7 was so popular, and the DD13 is actually, I think, a 12.8 liter engine. It is, right. And I know. Completely overlooked. It, it is, and, and that's my biggest problem. It's not that I don't like the engine or that I don't think it's big enough. It is. We don't have enough experience. I haven't got enough questions about this. I haven't looked at it enough because almost nobody specs this engine. And you don't need Detroit promote it much. No, I don't think they did either. There's, not, there's more of them out there than, than you. I mean... There's not, it's not the majority, but there is a whole bunch of them out there. Yeah. But uh, I think I think most people are wanting to run the RPMs too high on them. And they that this truck pulls really good that I'm driving. I mean, it outpulls my N14 with the two in it. And uh, so I, there's there's plenty of power there. I just I know there's a better spec. I just don't know what it is. Yeah, and again, I I, I don't want to give. I could give you a a spec that would be close, but I'd really rather sit down and look at those horsepower and torque curves and look at what's available. Um, if you call when we've got Henry on here, that would probably work out really well. Henry are, may already have a bunch of those numbers figured out. Hey, Kevin, so on the DD-13, I have a sheet here from Detroit. They're rated for four and a quarter to 450 horse, 1750 foot pounds of torque. So, you know, Fairly respectable. Yeah. And, of course, if someone would need more, we could always do a tune on it. Correct. And a a tune would probably work really well in there, and especially in this operation where it is going to be heavy most of the time. Um, My my only thing right now is, is where, what gear ratio do we really want? Which transmission do we want? Which rear ends? And I'm just not positive right now. I know that that, I know that the way that that, these trucks that this fleet 
operates. They uh, they are factory programmed. They won't downshift till you get below a thousand RPM. Okay, so they're letting they, them they run down run pretty low. Super Good. low, also. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, we, so we've just figured I, I out. Feeling, we, I have a feeling you can. I have a feeling eleven hundred RPMs is going to be kind of like that sweet spot at 60, 62 to sixty five. And if that's the case, uh, I think that's plenty of engine even for what I do. But anyway, I'll call back on Thursday. Uh, Friday. Oh yeah, Friday. Yeah. As long as you got your phone working. Yeah, I've. I, I hopefully I'll get the technology. If it looks like I'll be working on technology again today, I thought I put in enough hours last night, but obviously not. So, uh, yeah, let me do a little bit of work, and um, I want to crunch some numbers, and then we'll get Henry in here, and uh, we'll see what he says. Let's go to North Dakota. Dale, welcome to the program. Yeah, good morning, fellas. Say, I'm looking at a 2006 um, motor home that's going to have an ISL 400 horse in there. Okay. Uh, can you guys tell me a little bit about that? Yeah, we can tell you the ISL has been doing a great job in motor homes. A lot of them were at the 450, and we probably take them up. Leroy, when we tune those motor homes like we did Tony Kopsinski's, uh, he absolutely loves it and doesn't hardly downshift now. What horsepower do you think we're giving them in uh, torque? Probably 500 or better. Um, torque, I think that they paint stock these like other so they're probably around 1,500, 1,600 now. They're making that much torque, huh, out of the ISL? Yeah. Yeah. And does, does that motor have any emissions on it, like an EGR or anything? Yeah, I think an S6 would, yeah. It's got an EGR? Yeah, I, I don't know for sure off the top of my head, but... Um, I would think those six I would, would think have those to. Six would, yeah. yeah. Just run the max mileage in, and the EGR system won't be a, an issue. All my friends that have them are running the catalyst, and they're running trouble-free. Yeah, I, I currently got an O2 model that run the catalyst in, and I run it in my semis also. But I, I just don't have no experience with this ISL series in, you know. What kind of coach is it? It's a Newmar. Dutch Star? Dutch Star, yeah. Yeah, a great coach. Very, very good company. Yeah, no, I, I currently have a Newmar. Mm-hmm. That's what the... But I... I oh. And th- this thing's only got 22,000 miles, but I was reading on the internet about some kind of wrist pin problems they had on certain serial numbers or never heard that never heard that mm-hmm. okay so in your guys' opinion that ISL is a pretty bulletproof motor yes yeah. I've never heard anything wrong with the engine I've heard that they feel sluggish because of the transmission but um, I've never heard anything wrong with the engine well I'll tell you after okay. we tune them um my good friend, he was the head electrical engineer at Pittsburgh Plate Glass, and he's a performance guy. He's very fussy. He's very sharp. He has a huge trailer that he pulls, and he has two vehicles in the trailer and tools and equipment, and he just loves how it runs. He said it very seldom downshifts. Oh, and he took that to 400, 450, or 500? And it was a 450, and we took it up over 500 for him. Over 500, okay. Yeah. 
So this was 400 could a, could a gag probably the same pump that to 450? Well, I'd probably take it to 500. I'll bet it's the same engine. I could get his engine serial number and get your engine serial number, and we can compare the components and see. Compare. Okay. Well, that gives me a makes me feel a little better. I, I, you know, I was reading, like I said, when I was on that internet and, and bought that wrist pin issue, and it said they like to spit rods out the block. I'm like, ugh, I don't know about this. <laughs> you know? I never heard, I never ever heard of a problem like that with the ISL. Okay. Okay. Sometimes I think people blow stuff out of proportion on those social media sites. Yeah, I know. Uh, this was on a camping thing, you know, uh, a forum, but mm-hmm. and that could have been one out of a thousand. Who who knows, you know? Sure. Okay. Well, that makes me feel a little better, and I thank you guys for your time. You're quite welcome. Yes, the, maybe we lost Kevin, but maybe we have you. Uh, oh, I was just going to talk about uh, the leaks and stuff. I was just thinking about. Isn't deletes kind of a, a healthy protest? And I mean, I just was thinking about you and a young Bruce, you know, you know, starting to miss with hot rods or truck engines. And they told you, you can't touch this and you can't change this. Would you say, oh, OK, well, I won't I won't mess with that. Or would you say, heck no, I've heard you talk about the 855 and all the improvements and horsepower that you've gotten out of those things. And it's always something I'm so impressed with. And it's guys like you that experiment with these things and and teach the well, we're not saying that you can't improve you can't improve the performance of them but uh taking the emission systems off whenever everyone is i mean the fines are like a million dollars to these companies that are doing it and you know it's just not worth it and then but isn't it isn't it bob, a protest against the government bob, and the bob, ruling bob, class? bob bob hold on a second Here's why we would never come on the air and even talk like this. We're talking about somebody's business and their life here. That one decision could put them out of business. You spend 10 or 15,000 to delete it, you start having problems, then you get caught, you gotta spend 20 to put it back together. That would put somebody out of business. And where's the upside? We don't need to protest anymore. They fixed all the problems and we knew they would, just like cars. Took two decades for cars. We knew it was going to take a long time for trucks. Looks like they did it in about 15 years. Why would we protest now and and put people's business at risk? There's no way I'm going to come on the air and tell somebody to delete this. I would never do it. Where's the upside? I'm, I'm not telling anybody to delete anything. I'm just saying, isn't it a healthy protest? What are we protesting? We have people out there that are willing to bust against. That, that this is America, that we have the right to do these things to our own vehicles. No, you don't. No, the, you don't. The, you don't. We, we are a nation of laws. If you want to change that law, go ahead. But I can promise you, you're not going to. You're never going to change this, this emissions. Cra- In fact, they're doubling down on it. This would be the worst time to think about protesting when the problems are all solved and they're pushing us towards yeah. electric. That's what we should be protesting. Kevin, I'm a big follower of you, and we have been protesting against this crazy vaccine. Bob, and this Bob, is exactly no, in line with I, what exactly we have been pushing against. It's what, about freedom hey, for Bob, us. Bob, we're going to our lives. We're, we're going to have to agree to disagree here. Uh, there is no way to me protesting <laughs> something that isn't a problem anymore. 
and putting people's business at risk, that just makes zero sense to me. We'll just have to agree to disagree on this one. I understand. And, and uh, I could do no, that. All right, let's, let, hey, let's go back to, uh, you know, all the changes we made in the big camps. Um, in late 77, Cummins came out with what they thought was a tamper-proof fuel pump. And the guy that was helping me get started, he threw his hands in the air. He said, we're done. We can't make them run any better. Well, you know, here I am. I'm 27 years old, coming out of the race car industry, spent nine years in traffic and transportation. And I didn't want to hear that. So we figured out how to still do it. And so we still figure out how to make engines run better and satisfy the owner-operator. Guy that's uh, with Gore-Tex, the waterproof factory, he said to me, he said, what made you successful? I said, listening to my owner-operators. I said, the very first handful of owner-operators I met, I found out they were gearheads and just like me, and uh, I always liked a great running vehicle, and they wanted a great running truck. And the goal wasn't to make the world's strongest or fastest or most powerful trucks. The goal was to make everybody happy with their truck. And if if you gave them, let's say they had a 335 and you took it up to 400 and they wanted a little bit more and you'd take it to four and a quarter or the uh, small cam and big cam 350s we spent a lot of time with. And sometimes we could take them up 100 horsepower and it made everybody happy. And that 100 horsepower was 300 foot pound of torque. And uh, so it's making people happy with what they have. But I would say to you, Bruce, I, I mean, don't think, I don't if think you were a 19-year-old kid that was today, in 2023, Bruce is 19 years old, would you say, and somebody said, don't touch that, Bruce, would you say, okay, I'm not going to, this is good enough, this right here is, is good enough, would you leave it alone, would you, well, or would you be curious, would you be like, nah, I can do better? No, and at, at, at 19 years old, uh, let me, I didn't have money to buy a new pickup truck or a new anything. I would, my first new vehicle was a torn auto diesel in 1980. So Bob, I didn't realize it only had 95 horsepower. Let me ask. But, uh, as far as I, I don't think it's protesting. I think it's making making the vehicle suit you and making you happy with your vehicle. Bob, let me ask it's you not this. not really a protest. If, if we take any new truck coming off the line today, what do you think you're going to improve by deleting it? I, I don't know. I, I don't well, you're believe not. in deleting let, let, either. I'm just well, saying but, that there this, is a healthy way to look at this. The, look the at what? From the 60s, look at what? all the rules. I, I still can't understand what you're trying to solve here. The problem's been solved. This argument would have made far more sense in 08 or 09. But the problem's been solved. What do you think you're going to improve? That's my question to you. And you don't know. You've got three people on here who understand these engines, and they're all telling you you won't improve it. You're going to make it worse. Kevin, in our society, ideas start at the very bottom. They start with some 19-year-old kid 
who what has an idea. What idea? What idea? I, here's what and, I keep trying to ask you, Bob. Better idea. What are it, the the people here who could do that, who have the knowledge and ability, are telling you there's nothing to improve here. We're going to make it worse. The idea that we we would have to take everything off. We we'd have to. Tear it down to a basic engine again and then try to reprogram it because it's never been designed that way. There, there, you're, we would spend a fortune and not improve anything likely and run afoul of the law. And you can't go into shops and you can't trade it in. I, I don't know why you think we're going to improve these engines now by deleting them. Well, I don't know if deleting them is the thing, but I'm talking about the rebel spirit of America. That's what I, I'm talking about, not the delete or not to, de, to delete or not to delete. I'm talking no. about the spirit of America and, and right. young children who are being told, or kids, don't, Bob, Bob, don't do this, Bob, don't do hold, that. Hold on. We're driving hold, hold, them into hold, hold video games I, and it, doing look. nothing with their lives. You're, you're talking about a whole different issue here and trying to wrap it up in truck deletes because don't forget, that's what you called and said. Why don't you delete these? This was a delete topic you brought up. No, I didn't say why don't you yeah. delete things. No, no. I said I wanted to talk about hey, deletes. Hey, Kevin, hold on a second. <clears throat> hey, I know, I, I know how you feel. It's just like American business people, which everybody that's on this podcast is an American businessman. When you push him into the corner, he's going to fight back. And that's why God gave us the fight or flight. You can either run away or you're going to fight. And the American businessman, the entrepreneur, he's a fighter. He's a scrapper. And when you push him in the corner, he's coming back at you. He's going to support his family. He's going to support himself. He's going to take care of his truck. And that, that is the American spirit. And that's what I think our politicians are trying to take away from us. Absolutely. And they want to make but, us all like sheep. But that's but that's never going to happen in the U.S. And and yes, we do fight back. We did. We, the, we, and I think about that all the, the time. There, there was a couple of years we were talking about deletes because we had no other yes, choice. But, Nothing would work. But, Kevin, let's not even talk about that. Let's just talk about the spirit well, that's, of the American entrepreneur. That's my point. Take the spirit the, of the take, American entrepreneur. That's what I'm trying to get to. This was brought up as a topic of deletes, and that's what's in everybody's mind right now, and I'm trying to get them off that. This is not a good topic to talk about this. There's no upside. If we just want to talk about fighting back against a corrupt government, that's a whole different topic and a whole different show. But you called and, and centered it around deletes. So that's all I'm trying to point out is this is really be no reason to protest deletes anymore or to delete things. We're not going to improve these engines. They're way too complicated and too proprietary now. And they're working. We're getting 10 and 11 miles to the gallon. They're lasting over a million miles, and we're not even rebuilding them then. The, the time to complain about trucks is passed. Now what we should be fighting is their big push towards electric. That's what we should be fighting. Well, that was the argument. I was really, I was wrapping it up, and I was talking about government control over it. And I was talking about the American spirit and our freedom that we should have to do. Even if it's something dumb and it hurts us, we should still be able to do that and make those decisions as an American. And that's what I was talking about. And the, 
the ingenuity of these people who come up and tear something completely apart, do something so stupid, and, and, and maybe one tiny idea comes up and, and it leads us to the next big idea. And that we believe in a grassroots society where these ideas come from the bottom up and, and believing that we can make things better. I, I, I so, would like to ask you, do you, do you think you can make these motors better than what they come from the factory? Well, we do, we, we do it with tuning. We do it with tuning, do it with on some engines, intake and exhaust manifolds. And it's mostly the tuning and uh, the uh, OPS to keep the clean and the uh, fleet air filters and the catalyst. And so, that's how we improve today. So, Bob, and let, the, let, let me, because this is my point. This is why I'm so frustrated. You went back to these engines again. What you're describing has already happened. They have torn these things apart. Think about this. The original fix, let's delete it because we can't figure out how to fix it. That was a year or two. Then it was, let's tear the whole system apart and clean all the sensors and let's run, clean the engine. And that, that was a big improvement and it worked. But remember, we're also, we have to keep this cost effective. Then we figured out the catalyst and now we figured out tuning. And now we figured out if you run these things in the right RPM, keep the heat in them. We've done all that. We've tore it all apart. We've made it better in lots of ways with fleet air filters and OPS and catalyst. And that's, we've been doing that since the first day these engines came out. And this is where we are. These are the most cost-effective ways we know to make these engines run really well. I believe in all of those things. I utilize every one of those steps in every one of my vehicles that I have. But I also believe that it's not just about me, but it's about these young kids that don't want to come out and work anymore. And it's because they've been told over and over through their lives, don't touch this. Don't do these things. Don't be a rebel. Be a sheep. Follow exactly what you want us to do. And I understand. They have that. I, I have four new Volvos, and they run really good, and they are, you know, the emissions work well. That This is not my point. My point is about society and constantly telling people that we can't do that. You can't do that. You're not smart enough. You're not good enough. You, yeah. I want we were, ideas to come from the bottom up. I want ideas to come from people like Bruce who are willing to break the it, rules, to break everything and put it all back together. Then you need to go work on our education system because that's where the problem starts. You're not yeah. gonna. You're not gonna change years of programming in these kids that have been through an indoctrination center. That that. So this isn't about deletes or we've we've done all that. We we've been through all that on the engines. We we've improved and we're always talking about improving them. But so you're. It's a totally different topic. But you're not gonna change years of programming in these kids. We got to go back and, and change the system and hope the next round of kids aren't so indoctrinated. These kids, though, are not interested in working on and, and even they've if we go been, all electric They've tomorrow, been indoctrinated we're still going into to that. Need kids to come and work on, work on vehicles. And one way that you get kids to work on vehicles is by getting them to work on their car at home. And one way, and yeah. they get better and better, and then they come, have to, they got to get a job. And so they come work at these shops and they work it for people like Bruce. Right. And then they become but, really good at it. Hey, Bob, let's do this on a free for all. This, is, we're not this isn't a maintenance issue. Like 
This is a human issue. No, this no. is a government know, issue. This but, is right. Hey, hey, Bob, you ought to call me sometime because I think of this all the time. And you know, years ago, I was always told we'd never be successful given truck drivers power. And uh, even in, I was in fuel injection school in Fort Worth, Texas, and uh, he always would signal me out. And I was the black sheep of this industry for years. And all I knew was the guys loved their great running trucks. So we stayed doing, you know. So, and we've been successful and the other people were gone. So, yeah, call me sometime. Let's just talk about life. And, uh, I, and I do. I'm sorry I missed up the show, but I, I love all no, you didn't mess. I love you didn't mess it up. But, you know, you're, you've got four trucks. And how old are you? I'm 48. 48. Four. I, got, I actually have 10 trucks. So you're a scrapper, just like the rest of us, you know. When it gets down and dirty, you got to fight back. And we got a big fight on our hands, and that's uh, trying to uh, get the politicians to work with us instead of against us. I mean, that's our biggest fight. That's our biggest battle we have coming up, that's trying true. to save our country. And that's the fight. That's what I believe in, is our country, and I'm... I, yeah. I think guys like you are the most, and Kevin, and everybody you guys got there are the most important people, you know, that just that do the hard work in America. And, and I, I just hope that there's another generation that will continue this on, and we have to encourage them. But you guys have a great day. I'll let somebody else hop in there, and yeah, take care, guys. Okay. All right. Thanks for the take call. Care. Let's go to South Dakota. Lenny, welcome to the program. Oh, hey, Kevin. Hey, guys. What's hey, on your um, mind today? Chris and I were over at the... Oh, Chris and I were over at the shop, um, the warehouse. I think it was two weeks ago? Yeah, two weeks ago. Um, and we got the, the new Garmin headset. Okay. Um, the 100. And I, I just wanted to let you know, this thing is amazing. I had, that- the, I had the Ram McNally one before. And compared to that, that thing was junk compared to this. Yeah, I, I agree. We we had a big project with Rand McNally, and I, I I hesitated getting into it because they had had hardware issues prior to that, and they said they solved them all, and we put a lot of time and money into working with them, and they still had all the same hardware problems. It, it was, I, I don't know why they can't seem to fix their hardware. Their software I was amazed with. I really liked their software. I liked the features. Their hardware was just junk, and, yeah. and it seemed to be across the board. It, yeah. I tore that thing apart. I replaced the battery. Um, it, it's still the, just the circuitry, and it was it was really, really bad. Yeah. It was. Yeah. It, it was bad. And then and then the foam the foam the stuff on the foam started just like breaking apart, falling off, and yeah. It, it, and that thing was wasn't even six months old. And here's the thing: it's not like it's cheap. They cost just as much as the good no. headsets or the good hardware does, but yet they <laughs> cheap. It was 220 bucks. Yeah, yeah. They, they cheap out on their hardware, and they yeah. seem to do it a lot. So we just had to end that. And, you yeah. know, not long after we ended that relationship, Garmin reached out to us. We, we didn't go looking. I was just going to stay out of that whole arena completely. And Garmin came looking, and we got talking to him, and I was just so impressed with Garmin as a company. Yeah. Yeah, well, the— we're going to be over in Vancouver, what, Monday? Yeah, Monday. So we're going to go back out to the warehouse. I wanted to get the watch. Do you, do you still carry them? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Love the watch. Uh, um, okay, yeah. 
I have the square. I'm going to give the square to Chris, and then I'm going to get the that one for myself. Yeah, check then, check uh, to make sure they yeah. have in stock. I don't think we keep a lot of the Garmin stuff in stock, so you might want to check ahead of time. Yeah, I noticed when we were there, you only had two of these headsets. <laughs> yeah, we don't keep we don't sell a ton of them. We don't promote them a lot, and they're pretty expensive to keep in inventory. So we just usually keep a couple around. Yeah, I don't, I don't blame you. Oh, I, I wanted to call. I forgot. Uh, uh, we stopped at Patrick's place uh, yesterday. Um, Diesel Brothers there in Kenosha. Oh, okay. Uh, and I just wanted to say, yeah, he's a, that guy's amazing. Uh, Volvos, <laughs> that's that guy's amazing. So um, I used to have a Cat Six NZ. I had it for eighteen years. I had one point eight million on it. I that engine was amazing. That I never even opened it up. It, I think I replaced the injectors once that was it but nice. um, but for volvos yeah that guy he even plugged into our truck checked our parameters for us didn't charge us i mean this really nice guy um but uh like building relationships that guy is amazing i just wanted to put that out there excellent we appreciate the feedback on that kind of stuff yeah all right well, that's all i had all right. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Oklahoma. Paul, welcome. Howdy. What's uh, on your mind today? Me in a bad signal area. Uh, well, a lot of things now. Uh, the best Rain McNally. The best Rain McNally is the laminated edition. They reproduce it every year. <laughs> there um, you go. The yeah, that's the best one to have. It's reliable, but you got to be a bit old school to use it. The DD13 platform. It is very common in the car hauler industry. I think it was when the X15 came out. They would not put that in the Western Star. So most of the Western Star Lomax car haulers after about 2018 have got a DD13 in them. So there is quite a few of them out there. Yeah, I, I just, I get zero feedback. It must be a lot of fleet trucks. It very, very seldom do I ever get a call here with the DD-13. And I was excited about yep. that engine. I thought we would have been specking a lot more of them. But when nobody really seemed to get interested in them, I just kind of dropped it. Yeah, because uh, I think another option on the car haul spec is where you find that 285 rear end ratio that someone mentioned the other day. <laughs> yeah. So, and then the, the deleted trucks, anyone that deletes emissions now, they just need to refresh their mind and reboot or whatever and get up to date because it's 20 years since emission engines come out, but we know what to do now. There's maintenance you got to do. It's not a free, I will just get in and go trucking, but they're not a problem like they used to be. So I know of a truck Did we lose them? I... I'm in the hole here. Yep, there you are. I'm Can you hear me now? Yep, go ahead. Can you... Yeah, so a couple of people I know, they have deleted Cummins and they're forever check engine lights and problem, just problem after problem. So I wouldn't delete anything. I wouldn't touch anything with a deleted engine. <laughs> So you just don't have to today, you know, the yeah. Dr. Jane Gates made it possible. So you don't have to do that. Yeah. Yeah. So that woman single-handedly changed the man, our, the man's world. 
Yep. A man's world was changed by a woman raised on a chicken go. farm. There you go. So, uh, I forgot what I was going to say. Brain fart. <laughs> um, yeah, that's all I got today. I'll carry on. All right. That's all we need. Hey, Kevin. Yeah, go ahead. On this CD13, I a couple sheets of paper I have with specs on it. And DD15 and DD13, one was rated 450 horse, the DD13, and the 15 was um, rated 455. And they have what appears to be identical torque curves. Oh. And they're both at 1750. I mean, there'd be then. really no reason for that customer that worried about the 13 not being able to do the job. No, not at all. And now that we know it's the same horsepower and torque curve, we can spec it like the 15. That's all I was concerned about. We wanted to make sure we're hitting the torque and horsepower where we want to. But so then that that 308, I'm not sure I would be all that wild about. I think I'd be specking much higher gears down in probably like the 240s. Yeah, the torque's there. Right. And it's the same torque curve. Uh, you know, it, both 1750 at like a thousand RPMs. Yeah. Okay. Well, that makes it a little easier. I'd definitely do the job for them. Yeah, no doubt. I'd like to see more of them. I wish I had more to, to work with and, and, uh, I just get very, very few calls here. Let's go to. Yeah, same with us. Yeah, exactly. We get We're, a few calls. Well. Yeah. That's what I thought. I know I've asked that question before. They're, like I said, if they're out there, they're mostly fleet trucks, and we're certainly not getting the calls here. Let's go to Illinois Terrence. You're up. Hey, Kevin. Hey there. Uh, got a question for you guys in Pittsburgh about um, the fuel catalyst. I don't want to know what the um, – I've heard Joel talk about the hot shot ticket, everyday treatment. I want to know what's the difference in running – that hot shot versus the fuel catalyst from Pittsburgh? From my experience... Well, I can tell you the hot shot... Go ahead, Bruce. Go ahead. The hot shot, I don't, I'm not sure what's in their stuff, but I know it's not a true catalyst like our catalyst. Our catalyst is 100% fuel-borne catalyst, where all the other people, they have injector cleaners and lubricity things, and, and we don't have that. That's why... One gallon treats 3,200 gallons. And that's why in older trucks with N14s and big cams and four and a quarter Bs, we say it's, it wouldn't hurt to put Lucas fuel conditioner in along with the max mileage. Our, our main purpose is just to burn soot and carbon. So really, Terrence, they're two different and, products. And what we've found is that the trucks with the mission issues maybe not spec'd perfect, maybe not always keeping all the heat in the engine. If, if you've got any kind of emission-related issue, start with the catalyst. If you don't have emission-related issues and the truck's been spec'd right, and we have a lot of Volvos that are burning very, very clean, not producing a lot of soot, if they're spec'd and driven right, then that everyday conditioner is really what we've always talked about. It's kind of little bit of lubricity. I think that one might have some cetane in it, which does help the burn. Um, keeps th some things clean. But two totally different products doing different things. Okay. Yeah, I have the, I got a 23 Volvo with a D13 in it. What I gears what, and what, what transmission? Got the 12-speed um, um, auto shift with um, 247 rears. So when you're when you're at your typical cruise speed, where's the RPM? 
run about just a little over a thousand. I usually run about 52, 63. How many miles do you have on this thing now? About at 53,000. Okay. You may not see emission related issues. That's spec pretty well. You're running it down there. You should be keeping enough heat in there. Um, I wouldn't wait, though. I would be running something, the everyday treatment, if that's what you decide. It can't hurt to try the catalyst. Uh, but again, you really don't compare the two different, an everyday fuel treatment to a catalyst. And the word catalyst means that there's a, there's a chemical reaction happening. That's what makes it different from an additive. We've had okay. many people call and did not run anything in their bubbles, and when they hit 300,000 miles, they were having emission problems. So, and I know Joel doesn't want to hear that, but that's that's the phone calls that we get. Uh, I definitely appreciate that. Okay. All right. Thanks for the call. Let's go to Massachusetts. AJ, welcome to the program. Uh, thanks for taking my call, gentlemen. I sent over an oil sample to you, Kevin, and also uh, sent Pete on the mm-hmm. AJ oil samples in the subject line. Uh, let's but, uh, let's take a your thoughts look on here. that. And before looking at it, I'm going to change this oil in the next uh, couple hundred miles here today or tomorrow morning. Uh, why are you How changing are you it? I've got about 100. Uh, I was concerned about the silicon level. That nine. I mean, I don't worry about it till it goes over 10 and you're not over yet. Okay. So I, I'm not sure I'm seeing any reason I would change this oil. All right. All right. Uh, yeah, because uh, the only reason why I jumped the nine from five, I believe, was um, Pittsburgh Power did the overhead on it, opened up the top. But that was oh. the only reason why. Oh, then, the then I, I abs- no, I wouldn't worry about it at all then. All right. Fantastic. I did. I'll throw another thing of base in it. Then I did bring it up a little bit with one bottle, but then I was going to change the oil. So I do have another bottle I could throw in there. No, your your base, base yeah, your base was fine. It's at three point six. It certainly wouldn't hurt to throw a little in. But I don't. I, if this were my oil sample, I wouldn't be doing anything right now. Maybe dump in a little more base, but all right. Yeah, I wouldn't do anything else. Excellent. Yeah, I always get my. I always throw this out there that you can get that Hot Shots TBN at. Uh, every time I go to a tractor supply, I check the shelf, and they always got at least one bottle. Sitting oh, on good there. idea. Good so idea. If anybody's looking for a base base TBN from Hot Shots, they always got yep. a bottle or two. All right. Thanks. Good stuff. Let's uh, keep knocking down calls here. Let's go to Ohio. Rick, welcome. How you doing, there, guys? I got a quick question for Leroy or whoever on an ECM on a a six TS Cat. My engine fan's not coming up, coming on automatically when it hits the temperature. I have to put it on manually there. Is there something I should be looking for other than what the ECM's doing? Uh, I don't think the ECM's going to kick the fan on to like 207, 210, something like that. When do you, when are you expecting it to come on? Uh, it used to come on around 210, 208, 210, but it, if I let it go, it's, it'll go a little higher than that. I'm afraid to let it go much higher, you know, without it coming on. So I've just been kicking it on manually there. Yeah, so you're saying at one time it did work, and now it doesn't. Yeah, last last summer in the hot season, it was working fine, and this year it seems like it's just not doing its thing. Do you know if your manual fan switch goes to the ECM or if it goes directly to the fan only? That I don't know. It's all it's all original, whatever it was the 9710 work. It's all original as far as I know, as far as the wiring, any of that. Is there yeah. anything I can look for that's 
I don't have a sword or a different. Um, I would first check to see if the manual fan switch goes directly to the fan solenoid, uh, because if that's the case, then that tells me that the ECM doesn't have any control of the fan, a.k.a. Uh, the fan output wire, uh, or the ECM itself is working to actuate the fan. And if it does go to the ECM, then I would see uh, what it is seeing as far as a, a reading. When you say you see it go to 210, is that on a manual gauge, or is that uh, from the data link from the ECM? Uh, it's got a manual gauge, the old-style caterpillar with the, the uh, sensor, you know, it just goes through the cable, and the old-style electronic uh, manual okay. gauge temperature. Yeah, then I would verify or check to see what the ECM is uh, reading for coolant temp, just because your sensor sees 210 doesn't mean that it sees 210, so uh, there might be some discrepancy there. Either your temp sensor is reading a little bit off, uh, the manual one, or the ECM temp sensor is reading off. Uh, one way or the other, you have to pick which one to believe or figure out which one's right, and then uh, kind of just go from there. Well, I tend to believe the manual gauge, I think, is probably pretty pretty accurate, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, they can they can kind of change over time. But, uh, it's worth checking with a heat gun. Yeah, it's worth checking with a heat gun. Yeah, like you said. Okay, so it should come out 208, 210, somewhere thereabouts, right? Yeah, it's something like that. I can't remember the exact number. I don't want it to go. What's what's the what's the break point out of where you don't want to get it much hotter than what two twelve to fifteen? I mean that's I, a tough one. <laughs> I uh, yeah. I think I'd be kicking it on myself at two hundred. That's what I've been doing. Yeah, as soon as I as soon as I yeah, that's how I, for a of Yeah, that's what I would do. I'd kick it on at two hundred. Yeah, it's, if it's I great. knew it was going to go on, if I knew I'm climbing a eight or ten mile hill and I know it's going to. Um, I'd probably kick it on before I got into the hill. Yeah, that's what I always do. It just yeah. it just bugs me that it's not coming on. Like if I'm not paying attention or you know get yeah. distracted or whatever. It's always easier to defeat heat than get rid of heat once you got it. Yeah, right. Okay, guys, I appreciate the help. No problem. Thanks for All the right, call. Have a good day. All right, let's go to Mississippi. Mark, welcome to the program. Good morning, y'all. Uh, I got a DD13 in this uh, Western Star car hauler, and uh, have you ever told me that? Uh, so, yeah, you looked at my oil sample yesterday. Yeah, I don't remember it being a 13. <laughs> All right, I guess I should pay more attention. Well, well it's been, it's yeah, it's been to Pittsburgh Power. It's got a tune in it, so uh, they tuned it uh, two years ago, and uh, uh, I, I I don't have any power issues. Uh, it's uh, at, th- at around 1,300 on the RPM, you're at 62 miles an hour, and you're just shy of 15 when you're at, uh, at 70. So uh, I, I, don't, I don't. It's got 308, and uh, uh, you know, there's you know, of course, there's no aerodynamics, and right. it uh, it's but it's there's no power issues, and I, we're always at I'm always at 80. I'm no, over, I, I, and you know, because you. Yeah. Hey, I'm not worried about the power issue. It's just every now and then when I get somebody who's running heavy all the time, and that's kind of what he described his operation, yeah. and I'm not as comfortable or familiar with the 13, I'll tend to default to the 15 because I know it does really well. But, the, I, you know, I think I should go back. I studied the 13 early on, and then I just stopped focusing much on it because nobody seemed to be buying them. Well, uh, I got, I mean, that's, that's all they, that's all they put in these, uh, when, when you get a car hauler, you know, with the nine car and, uh, 10 car, and that's all they put in the Western stars, I guess maybe because it's the, you know, 
maybe it's a lighter engine. Everything's a weight issue. So, you know, you're trying to always looking for more, you know, lighter, 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 because cars are getting heavier, 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 and uh, bigger, bigger, bigger. Um, so, I and it's, like I said, there's no, and the tune Pittsburgh Power put in it, it's like, you know, I don't know how many they tuned, but it, they, they developed it for this engine, and they put it in there, and I've not had any issues. It's just, you know, I just drive it, and I uh, put like 100, I think I put close to 130,000 on last year. Also, I wanted to, Paul was texting me yesterday when I was talking to you, and it, I was one of the things I wanted to t- tell you about is I put this, was this, this trailer's got this Hendrickson axles on it, and it's got this tire pressurization system on there, and Max, I'll forget what they call it. Anyway, so I bought a, and Mike Beckett's advice, I bought a Durand system and put on here. And it's really, I like it because I have this monitor in here. It's, it, it, it works really well. It's hardwired in to the, with an antenna that's off the back of the stinger back there. Uh, I was coming in from Harvey, Louisiana across the twin spans, uh, week and a half ago. And I knew I needed a brake job on an axle because I had a, uh, slack adjuster go out and I was going to put it off because it's got 13 and, uh, 19 and a half inch. Well, I've got 22 and a half on there. I converted it, but the brakes are 19 and a half spec. And shop in Houston. Well, we don't really know. Well, I know some places to take it and work some car haulers. So I was coming off the twin spans in uh, New Orleans. So right there, you go right down by the Superdome there. I had a Tundra on the back and a, a Camry underneath it. And this thing went off and it said hot. And I'm like, WTF? And it's, so I pulled over and got out there and felt it. And yeah, the, 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 the wheel that it set in was hot. It was hot. And what has happened is the, it cammed over, but I wouldn't even have known that it cammed over if it wasn't for the system on here. And I don't know if I would have burnt the damn trailer down or not, but I ended up getting over to New Orleans East and getting the vehicles off, limped over there basically. And, uh, but I just was going to talk about the value of this system that it basically paid for itself right there coming off of that, uh, that bridge there where the, the brakes cammed over and heated it up to almost 260 degrees because I took the heat gun on it. And uh, anyway, I just wanted to share that with you. I was meant to do that a time or two ago. But, uh, and, you know, it's, it's technology, and it's, uh, like I said, to me, anything you buy and put on these things, all you got to do is work one time. Uh, but uh so all the people that that guy that was wondering about the DD13, I wasn't, I wouldn't hesitate if he's at eighty four thousand, he must be getting that Texas special permit to, to run a, an extra four or five, four or five thousand pounds on it. But I wouldn't hesitate to put a DD13 under that because I've run with that weight before and it's, I never had an issue. You feel you're a little heavy, but you know you drag on it. But uh, so. that's really all I got today. Good feedback. I appreciate it. Let's go to Wisconsin. Nick, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Thank you all for taking my call, man. I, I called you uh, probably about five weeks ago about my uh, this 1270 Deck 4. And I told you I was getting antifreeze in my fuel tank, remember? And, yeah. Uh, I was filling with fuel in my radiator. So I, I went home and I overhauled it. And I want to thank all of y'all for helping me with it because it wasn't all the knowledge that I got from y'all. I, I couldn't have done this. I've never done it before, but well, I did. Congratulations. That's but pretty awesome. Now, yeah, but you know, I, every, I've done something right because I've been 4,000 miles and still going. You know, 
evidently I've done something right to it. Oh, good. Uh, my issue is now is my injectors. Uh, when I overhauled it, uh, my first hit that the Detroit uh, Freightliner gave me, I cranked it up and it dropped the valve immediately. I had to pull it all back down and, and take the other hit back in. They gave me another one. It was one of them seats on the top of it. it it, they didn't seat it when they redone the head. But the second time I, I, I did all this, uh, they cranked up first time absolutely good. But now I'm having issues with injectors, and they couldn't find any Detroit remand injectors, so I had to go to it, Alliance. I did a little research on them. Alliance was fairly well, so I, I didn't have a choice. But uh, this truck has always did this ever since I've owned it, and I've owned it probably about eight years. Uh, and I've heard Pittsburgh Power say they can fix the issue with it misfiring when you take off. I can take off in second and go all the way up to fourth, and it will just be white smoke coming out the stack. And I hasn't always done it constantly, but now it's doing it constantly all the time. Yeah, if it's the same issue that, uh, you know, most 60 series guys have with the uh, filter torque algorithm back in the timing way off, then yeah, it's just a simple programming change. And you can have that done here or at any of the remote dealers all across the country. Now, can they go in there and I know y'all can redo the batteries in it and everything because my Jake on the low side, uh, stage one and two don't work anymore. I don't know if they've ever worked. So I always just flip them both up. But uh, I know the low uh, one and two do not work. Yeah, we can put it on our bench tester and verify... Um, you know, their, their operation, that they're working right. But uh, what was I going to say? I just lost my train of thought. Well, we would have to do that here, though. Yeah, you'd have to send the ECM here to do that. Yes. Okay. Uh, but y'all will go on there and fix that issue with the Jakes and this, and and my uh, injectors, correct? I'll just yes. go on and just put a uh, 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 an upgrade to it. I, I need to fix So this is this is ridiculous way this it's acting right now you know yeah i mean if issue with the jakes is in the ecm we can fix it but if it's on the truck then yeah you'd we'd have to figure out whether it's the wiring or something else yes and that issue part with the injector the same way y'all will fix that issue right yep yeah no. yeah that's a common one we we fix all the time now so okay all right and when it starts up like i can let this thing set now oh for a little while, I'm talking like a few hours, and I can start it up and then just go to popping and carrying on and white smoke just blowing out my stacks. And uh, is that a issue with one of the injectors bleeding off? <clears throat> but after about a, 30 seconds to the stop. Is this a BK engine or a PK or a DK or MK? I don't know what to all that means. <laughs> you, you've heard us talking about that and the compression ratio, right? Yes. Okay, so when you bought the parts, what did you buy? Did you give them your engine serial number? Yes, sir. Well, I just gave my VIN number to the uh, the Freightliner, and they just they, they so had to give me a PAI overhaul kit. So you, you don't know whether, whether it's a PK or BK or an MK, do you? No, sir, I, no, sir, I don't. All right. That's what I want you to find out this week and call us next week, and then we'll tell you why it's doing that. Okay. Okay. And that's, you say that's the, con 
compression rate ratio? Uh-huh. Compression ratio. And if you have the low compression ratio pistons, they run good. They just have that smoke issue when you start them. But it's never you, done that before, Bruce. It never yeah, did that before. That's when it started. No. No. You put PAI parts in it. Uh, I had to because there was none in the country for Detroit. I mean, they, they searched the whole country and there was none. And I got the last PAI overhaul kit that was in the country. I was just lucky, I guess. I don't know. but And, and they worked. Well, and they, you need they to find out what the compression ratio of that piston is. You might have to call PAI to do that. Okay. Okay. Well, their customer service is no good. I mean, they, I called them about one issue I had with their kit, and they had no clue what I was talking about. Yeah. Uh, their customer service is not good whatsoever. A lot of people have horrible customer service today. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll do that. And uh, that's what we I try like to sell in is customer service. Yes, I know. That's why I deal with y'all. I got a lot of y'all stuff on this 12-7. And, okay. And I'm very so let's find out. Find out what the compression ratio of those pistons are, and we'll go from there. Okay. And y'all, when y'all do that, when we find out, do y'all tune it in that PCM for that, or or how? Do well, it, if it if it's got the low compression pistons in, you can never get rid of that that problem. I lost over a hundred thousand dollars with that problem until it was figured out. Oh, so I should have took Kevin's advice and not do the bottom end then, right? I should have just did the top end. <laughs> Because <laughs> he told me not to when I pulled it apart, man. Them pistons look like brand new, and my bearings look, I mean, new. But I just went ahead and did, did it all. And mm-hmm. I should have took his advice, but, you know. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't really hurt anything these all days. Right. We, we just find that the, the we were talking about this earlier, Bruce. These engines are built so much better. The machining's better. The materials are better that this, this stuff just doesn't wear out. Yeah, especially when you keep the air clean and the combustion chamber clean. Yep. Hey, I was just uh, just saw a headline. The the Coast Guard claims they have searched ten thousand square miles looking for that sub. Ten thousand square miles. It's hard to believe. Yeah, it is. How can you search that much? Exactly. That's, that's a lot. That's what put a square mileage. Yeah. A square mile is really big. If it was, uh, it, if it was supposed to be at the Titanic, why are you searching? Ten, Can they not see it at the Titanic? I don't know. This is so weird. I haven't had time to read any of these articles. I'm probably going to read about this after I get off the air today because it's kind of fascinating. Yeah. But man, well, you know, I know, I, I know, I don't need to go down in one of those little subs. So no, I just don't need to do that. There's all thousand feet down. Yeah. Where they think they're at. Yeah, so 12,000 feet. They're bolted. Wow. They're they're bolted in there. There's 17 bolts. It would have to get them up and literally unbolt it to get them out. Wow. It's not like there's an escape hatch. Right. And even if there was, you you couldn't open it, that everybody would be crushed. Yeah. Wow. I didn't think they could go that low. That's. I thought you had to be in one of those bell shaped things to go that well well that's kind of what this is this is a submersible that's why pete's saying it doesn't even have a hatch they have to bolt these people in there 
Crazy. Maybe Lisa would want to go for a ride on one of those. Oh, huh? no way. <laughs> yeah, that that isn't happening. People don't want to go on an airplane. Yeah, they wouldn't want right. to go in one of those little things. No way. Let's uh, let's go to Minnesota. Greg, welcome. Hello. Thanks for taking my call. I have a 2015 Kenworth glider with a 60 Series Detroit in it. And starting a couple weeks ago, it randomly does not want to idle down. I'll accelerate up to 14, 1500 and then go to shift, pull it out of gear. And while I'm neutral, it just stays right there. It doesn't come down. Oh, first time I've heard of that on an electronic engine. I should be here. <laughs> okay. So, so if your truck was here, um, we'd put a cyclast at the back of the fuel pump and see if we're getting any yep. air bubbles in it, whether it's sucking air through a, a line, a uh, fitting, a filter head. But, you know, air will do that, air in the fuel. And it's an easy check. Yep. So I would do that. Well, I if a you little more information. They idled up. What was that? If you come to a stop, does it stay, like, idled up, and does it idle around, like, 900 RPM? Um... So I'll just give you the whole story. It's a little lengthy, but I uh, started one day. Just I started it up to leave home, and everything was fine. I start driving down the road, and it doesn't idle down, and I had to go load, and I was going by a Kenworth dealer, so I would just shut the key off, get it in gear, turn the key on, and I got to the Kenworth dealer, and I thought, well, maybe it's the accelerator pedal. So I bought one of them, put it in, put the parking spot, took off. Everything was just fine that whole day the next day after i shut it off that night woke up in the morning and it's doing it again what what is the dead when you say it doesn't idle down um wherever i let go um go to shift like if i shift at 1200 or i shift at 1500 it basically just stays right there it's not coming back to idle correct so it was so a big I'm, cam pete and i could tell you what to do if it was a big cam <laughs> Uh, then I drove that morning. It was doing it. I drove an hour, stopped to get fuel, shut it off to get fuel, left. It was fine. So every time it's done it, it either starts doing it or it fixes itself after I shut it off. Hmm. Uh, until last week, Friday, I was delivering. I started it up, and I laid in bed while I was waiting to get empty, and it just started speeding up on its own. It's idling at 800 in the morning and I'm laying in bed and it just starts picking up speed. And I got up, I was going to shut the key off because every time you cycle the key real quick, it pulls it right down and it sits at an idle. But I had the AC on and I heard the AC clutch kick in and just that little bit of load on it, it pulled the RPMs down and it idled down. And it did that several times while I was waiting there. Hmm. My brother is a remote tuner for you guys. He put his computer on it. There are no codes, and the throttle is showing, or the accelerator pedal on his computer shows it's working properly. Hmm. Yeah, I know oil <laughs> will make it idle up, idle up, because um, it thinks the engine's cold, so then it tries to idle up, but it will only go to like 900 RPM, not like 12. Right. It couldn't be that. Right. And this, yeah. Like when, when you when, cold, yeah, it'll it in at 900 but this time it was idling at like eight and it just started increasing and it just kept climbing and then the ac compressor kicked in and it dropped it down hmm. yeah it's gonna be a tough one 
right, when you're driving it and it's not doing it, is the pedal spongy? Nope. Everything is perfect. everything. Like okay. Yeah. Personally, I think it's something electrical because it'll be doing it and you shut it off and you start it up and then it's fine. But and when it works fine, it's, it's perfect. I'd, yeah. I'd put a loan. I put a loaner ECM on it and try okay. and see if it fixes it. I was thinking about that. Yeah. Should that be the next step? Yeah, that's a What's that's a step. Like you like the deep that check for air in the fuel. Okay. But if it was air, would that be intermittent like that? Usually, it would be pretty steady, and your your pedal like should be spongy too. Yeah, because I can drive it all day with zero trouble, go to bed, wake up the next morning, and like last Friday, I drove five hours, and every time I had to shift, I shut the key off, grab the next gear, and accelerate. Oh, wow. Uh, get a loaner ECM on it. Okay. What reads RPM? Cam sensor? Crank sensor? Uh, crank. crank sensor? Yeah. But that wouldn't do it, you don't think? Mm, no, I don't think so. Okay. Okay. All right. Well, Sounds I guess like I'll we've got a plan. Try and use a different one. There you go. <laughs> okay. All right. That's going to do it for today. Anybody have anything they want to wrap up with? No, I don't. <laughs> I don't have anything. Okay. I'll have to remember to keep the American spirit, keep plugging along, and. Uh, Keep worrying about what the boys in Washington, D.C. are doing. I agree. I agree. Maybe that'll be the topic Thursday. We'll see. It'll be a free-for-all. Uh, I'm going to go work on some hey. equipment and try to figure out what I screwed up last night. Go ahead, Bruce. Years ago, my I have a good friend since 1971. He's been my lawyer since 1971. Never led me astray. He told me years ago the reason the politicians like us to cheer for our football teams and baseball teams and hockey is we get so wrapped up in that that we forget about what's going on in D.C. And, and you know now what? Evident. He, you know what does that way more than sports? He's correct. Sports were a big part of that TV, but all, all the distractions. But today it's the Internet. I, I am yep. shocked when I go out and to a restaurant or wherever. I cannot believe how many people just stare at their phone constantly. Yep. It's just nonstop. It's just everybody's got their face in yep. a phone. Yeah, that they have. And, and you would think that because of that, they would be informed about things, but they're not. They don't seem to be informed about much of anything. Mm -hmm. I wonder what they spend all day reading. Hey, what are you going to do with all that garlic you grew? Um, that's my year's worth of garlic. You'll use that much in a year? Well, so I use about a head a week, so roughly 50-some. I like to make sure I have about 75 because sometimes some will start to sprout a little early. And then the rest is what I plant again this fall. You just pull the heads apart and plant cloves, and then you get new garlic plants next year. Mm, okay. That was a lot of garlic. Oh, wait till you see the onions. I'll bet I have over 300 onion plants. <laughs> does one plant make one onion or does... That's, yeah, one, one plant, plant makes, makes one onion. Onions. Nope, one plant makes one onion. That's it. Okay. 
Yeah. So all and, right. And the thing with garlic and onions is, I can if you if you dry them properly, which is what I'm doing now, they will last a year. So I do try to grow enough to to have garlic and onions all year. So you dry the onions? Yeah. Yeah. So I leave them out in the sun. When I pull them out of the ground, I just lay them on the ground. Just right where I pull them out, I just lay them there. And I also stop watering them about two weeks before they're they're done. So they start to dry out in the ground. Then I pull them out, lay them there for two or three days in the sun. Then I just got to get them into a shady, breezy place for about three weeks or so. It's probably a month altogether I dry them. Same with the garlic. Okay. Yep. Keep All right. Up the good work. Thank you. All right, sir. We will Take care. Uh, see you back here again next week. Thanks to the team from Pittsburgh Power tomorrow. I've got uh, the founder of Light Balance on. We're going to talk about minerals, and uh, we might have something new to talk about tomorrow. Thursday will be a free-for-all. I am going to be experimenting with technology on Thursday. I'm going to attempt, I believe, uh, to do the show only from a laptop. No soundboard, no phone. Um, I think I've got that figured out. I'm going to go work on it today. So just be prepared. Thursday will be a free-for-all. I don't have any guests or any topics, so I might be playing around with some technology. Friday, uh, we'll see. I'll give you updated on that later. Uh, Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always do the hard work and master the journey.